you'll join me for reading of God's word. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is the only Son, himself God, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Jason. That's my husband. He was reading the scripture a couple of days ago, and he said, did you have to give me 18 verses? Grace and peace to you, beloved. I am Amy Wilson Phelps. I'm the pastor here at Morningstar, and I'm delighted to be with you on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are grateful to be together in this new time, and we are grateful for the sound of children, which is the sound of new life and the future of the church. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 2017, a group of graduate students at Yale University were tasked by their professor to play a game of bigger and better. You know the game? It's a child's game. It's become a pretty popular team building activity, and the idea is that individuals or pairs or small groups of people will start with something small and inexpensive, and the task is to trade up for something bigger and better, right? So two students in this particular exercise turned a paper clip into a working car in 10 trades, 10 trades. It's a pretty amazing story, a car for a paperclip. 
it's not quite a something for nothing story, but it's close. I think that's one of the reasons that the story is still being told five years later, because as a culture, we are fairly averse to the idea of, of giving or even getting something for nothing. But if it's a trade where no one is beholden to anyone else, now we're talking, literally. Trades are made with words long before any items change hands. Sometimes we talk our way through them, as the Yale students did, or sometimes we slide a coupon or a gift certificate across the counter. Even those exchanges are trades, and they start with words. And that is because words create worlds. A couple of different people have been attributed as saying this three-word three sentence, words create worlds. I know for sure that it was at least said by Abraham Joshua Heschel in his essays on moral grandeur and spiritual audacity. How's that for a title? Moral grandeur and spiritual audacity. <laughs> yeah. Yikes, is that what you said? Words create worlds. It may be the most powerful three-word sentence ever spoken, and anyone who loves a good novel knows that you can be transported into a different world of mystery, adventure, intrigue, romance. Anyone who has developed an important relationship with another person knows that words can build trust or tear it down. Anyone who lives in a community of any kind knows that words shape identity and commerce and governance. Words create worlds, Rabbi Heschel tells us. Now, this rabbi was also a seminary professor and a critical part of the civil rights movement in the 1960s in America. So he would know what he was talking about. And, of course, he was Jewish. And yet when I read these words, when I hear these words, worlds are created by words, I cannot help but think of the Gospel of John and that passage that Jason read today. In the beginning was the word. We actually briefly mentioned this part of this passage last week in a discussion about the Trinity. Do you remember that discussion about the, the idea that God is experienced in at least three distinguishable ways, as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, or as we say here at Morningstar often, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. We talked last week about what it means to be created by God and, and to continue God's creating work in the way that we live our lives. And that brings us to the idea today of redemption more specifically to the concept of being redeemed. Remember, this current series, Confirmed, It's Not What You Know, was born out of conversations that I have with the youth in the spring during our confirmation class. And other people wanted to know more about these same core beliefs in our Christian faith. And redemption is one of those concepts that we discussed with the youth because the Christian understanding of redemption is all wrapped up in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We often think about the birth narrative of Jesus to start this conversation. We, we think about turning to Luke chapter 2 and reading about this sweet baby who was born to Mary and Joseph through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's true. 
and it's important, and those words have created a really, really beautiful word for those of us, world, for those of us who follow Jesus. The writer of the Gospel of John chose to back up a bit and to create a different kind of picture, a cosmic view, starting with the beginning, the very beginning, starting with creation and this concept of Jesus as the word of God. Words create worlds. That's exactly what the writer of John tells us. Isn't that what you heard Jason say to us just a few minutes ago? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things came into being through him. And what came into being through him was life. It's a beautiful passage. It's full of poetic language and mystery including this idea of the word in the flesh. The word that we use for that concept in the church is incarnation. It's the embodiment of a deity or a spirit in the flesh. Incarnation is the concept of a God walking around in a human body. This is the story of our God. This is the story of our faith. This is the story of Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson said. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Incarnation in the flesh. It's the central theme of the Gospel of John, and it's a core belief in our Christian church. Yes, Jesus, the Son of God, is fully divine, of the same essence of God. We talked about that last week. But Jesus is also fully human and lived not just in the form of a human, but as a human. Jesus experienced the aches of the human body, the warmth of friendship, the pain of heartbreak. Now, why would God choose to do such an awful thing? Youth, are you listening? Because God is drippy. That's what the youth told me on Wednesday as we started this new unit and we were talking about attributes of God. They said, God is drippy. And I said, what does that mean? And they said, God has style. God has style. God chose in Jesus to share that style in a human way. It's great when we can learn from our youth, isn't it? Yeah. This is the language that they use, so it's important for us to know this language as well. God chose to relate to us in a way that we could relate. In becoming human, Jesus showed us that God wants to be with us, but Jesus also showed us what it means to be with each other. Jesus showed us how to live in our human bodies in a way that better reflects the image of God in which we were created in other words, we are called to live incarnationally as well in our own bodies by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk more about that next week, the way that the Spirit guides us in this work. But living in our bodies is an important part of what it means to be 
redeemed by Christ. Now, we often talk about Jesus as the Redeemer, but as we said last week, all parts of the Trinity do all the things, right? They all create, they all redeem, they all sustain, but we often call Jesus our Redeemer. And we talk about that work of redemption as sacrifice or as ransom. Both of those ideas are based in trade, by the way. This language of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin or a ransom for many, it it resonates with a lot of people. It works for many people. It doesn't work for some people because it's so violent. Either way, either way, whether it works for you or not, let's pause for a minute and talk about what it means to be redeemed. To redeem is to compensate for the faults or the bad aspects of something or someone. This is how we often think about it in church terms. The blood of Jesus has washed away our sins, right? That's compensating for our faults. It's okay, Cole. It's okay. It's okay. Thanks be to God for the sound of children. We think about redemption as the blood of Jesus washing away all of our sins. And we thank God for that. That's an important part of what we believe. But to redeem in its most basic definition is also to gain or to regain something in exchange for something else. So we could take it down to that very literal level as well. And what we're talking about here is payment, right? Payment, money, the use of a coupon, or even a trade as in a game of bigger and better. Now, Jesus did this for us, too. You have been given eternal life later, right? For sure, we believe that. We can trust in that. But we've also been given something in the here and now. We've been given something in the here and now, a new life, a restored life, a humanity that better reflects the image of God in our own human bodies. And that's part of our our part of the arrangement. That's our part of the trade to do something meaningful with this one life that we are given, to point people with our bodies, with our lives, to the grace of God. Now, does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's our mission, to point people to the grace of God that we find in Jesus. That's our mission here at Morningstar, and to do so incarnationally, with our words and with our actions, with our very human bodies. When I was talking with the kids, I mentioned St. Teresa of Avila. She was a Spanish mystic in the 16th century. And she said it this way. She said, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, No feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on the world. Christ has no body on earth, but yours. 
beloved Christ has no body on earth but yours. Christ has no body but you. I know that can seem overwhelming. And I know there are 200 people who call Morningstar home who are following Jesus in this community. I know there are 2 billion people around the world who claim to follow Jesus as well. And I know that we have strength in numbers, but there is only one you. You are the only person who can love God and others the way that you can love God and others. You have been given a life that only you can live. You have been given a purpose that only you can fulfill. You have been redeemed for a purpose that only you can fill. Christ has nobody but you. This is really good news because you were created in the image of God and you can do creative things in the world, things that make a real difference for real people. Human beings are amazing. With our words, we can create worlds. We can turn paper clips into cars just by asking. By the way, that car that was treated in the story that I told earlier, it was donated to charity. Make a real difference in somebody's life. And the, the sales manager of the car dealership said, there's a good story here. This is something that people can get behind. Well, beloved, there's a good story here, too. There are many good stories here. Every one of you has a story to tell. It's a redemption story, and it's priceless. It's a parable of God's grace, the compassion of Jesus in your life, the work of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that sharing our stories can shape our community in profound ways. And that's the whole premise behind what's going to take place in this room right after this service. We're calling it Parables. It's a storytelling initiative, and I hope that you have made plans to stay. You can go and get your coffee and your snacks and then come back while the kids and the youth are in Sunday school. You're not going to want to miss Eileen Rosenblatt's story about being a bus driver in New York City. Okay, She's got to have the story to tell. And when we hear each other's stories, we connect on a human level, and we come to learn the value of the redemptive work of God in each and every life. And that's the trait. That's the the ultimate gift. That's the result and the motivation of God's creation and God's redeeming work and God's sustaining of us. It's our life and what we do with it. And we would do well to remember that every day. That's why you have this. Go ahead and take it out if you would. And whether you have a crayon with you or a marker or a pen or a pencil, hey, kiddos, Augie, Chris, and Marie, get your coupons out. Do you have your coupons? If you don't have one, just raise your hand. And together, we are going to write four little letters. L-I-F-E. Up here, Chris, up here. L-I-F-E. Life. Yep. 
L-I-F-E. This coupon is redeemable for life. I want you to put this somewhere that you will see it, in your Bible, on your mirror, in the bathroom, on the dashboard of your car. Put it somewhere you will see it every day. You have been redeemed for life, for a life that extends into eternity forever and for abundant life in the here and in the now, a life of immeasurable value that only you can live. You have been redeemed for life to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. You have been redeemed for life, beloved. It does not get any bigger or any better than that. Amen? Amen. Okay, now we have the opportunity to pray together. So kiddos, why don't you grab your wooden crosses? Chris, Augie, you have your cross? When we hold a cross in our hands to pray, hold it in your hand, clasp your fingers around it. When we hold a cross or an item like this in our hands to pray, we are reminded that we are connected. We're connected with God, and we're connected with each other. It's like holding hands when we pray. You can hold this cross, and you are holding the hand of God, and you are holding the hands of the people you love. So put it in your hand like this, Chris. Wrap your fingers around it like this. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you for creating us and for redeeming us with a purpose to follow you, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Open our eyes. Grow in us a sense of compassion for the needs in the world, the people who are suffering. Move our feet, open our hands to be able to address those needs, to comfort those people, and to ask for what we need, and to seek comfort as well. Thank you for reminding us that our life is a gift, a priceless gift, and we offer ourselves to use that gift to its fullest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.